episode number 102. Let's do it. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the show, Creating Space, 102 episodes in, and this podcast guest is really a phenomenal catch for the Creating Space team. I can remember just under a year ago holding the pivot book in my hand at the side of the pool and reading it every single day, thinking about how I was going to build the life of my dreams, how was I going to make the life that I could see in my mind's eye, come into fruition. And Adam Markell gave me the tools to take the first step. And when I found that I had the opportunity to bring him on the show, there was nothing that was going to stop me. So today, the author of Pivot, Adam Markell, is coming on to the Creating Space podcast to give you guys an idea of just what it takes to change your life. And to know that if you do not enjoy where you are right now, that you can pivot and that he has the tools that you need to allow you to make that transition. But there are a couple of things that he has for you that even I didn't learn in this book. So if you've read Pivot, make sure you hold on tight. And if not, wow, I'm excited for you to get your first opportunity to hear the value that comes out of the mouth. There's only one minor issue within this podcast recording. We did have a minor error in the audio that came off of the Skype recording. So I want you guys to bear with the audio difficulty. I'm not going to act as if it doesn't exist. I want you to focus into what actually Adam Markell is saying. Everything else will fall to the wayside. So without any further ado, Let's jump into this awesome podcast with Adam Markell. Author of the book Pivot, the most impactful book that I have read to this moment. And I want to tell you a quick story before we get started, because I want to hit you with this energy. So I had just retired from professional sport. I was coaching to try to supplement my life, but I wasn't happy. I knew that it was time to move away from soccer entirely. I'm a super spiritual guy and I lead a lot of my life with my intuition. So I make decisions sometimes better than others from my heart space, right? So whatever the feeling is. So I walk into Barnes and Noble and I'm walking in the personal development self-help space. And your book is one of the first that I've seen because it just come out. I think it was May or June of last year, almost a, a year to the day. And I pass the book and I see it and there's an energetic pull to it and I recognize it, but I had just walked into Barnes and Noble. So I was like, all right, man, just that can't be the book. I just got here. So I walked around the aisles and, and you know, looked, fakishly looked, but intuition kept pu- pu- pulling me back to that little red book. So I said, all right, okay, I got it. You know, I'm going to get it. I went and got it and opened it up. And the first thing which you you were so insightful and so um, intentional to do was you had that don't be a 51st pager, right? And you challenged an athlete. And I'm like, this guy, right? All of a sudden now he's making me read 50 pages. But it turns out once I got 
into that vortex after 50 pages. I was sold. Adam, you allowed me to break into a space of myself to begin this podcast. Without your book, I would not be sitting here in front of you today. And a couple of weeks ago, have gotten the opportunity to interview people like Dean Graziosi and Laird Hamilton, and the list hopefully continues to grow. I have so much love and adoration and respect for you. And man, I can't wait to say this, but Adam Markle, welcome to Creating Space, my man. <laughs> I'm giving you some serious love right here. Virtual, virtual high fives and, uh, <laughs> and a big smile. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for what, thank you for what you said, and and thank you for being open because that's that's the deal. You walked into that that space, that Barnes and Noble space, open and ready to receive something. I mean, I think there's a lot a lot of people out there just to work on their receiving muscle. Yeah. To pivot, right? Just That's right. That That's right. It's so true, you know, and in, in, in being vulnerable, you spoke about it in the book and you speak about it in, in some of your keynote speaking, you know, being vulnerable is a, is a key piece to being a leader. And, you know, as I meet people now that, that are near and dear to my heart, who I've read and who have helped me along the way, it's so important that you take a second and you give them the adoration and the love and the energy that they deserve. Because as we get into this space and you see the impact that we in our respective areas can make, think about how good that makes you feel and how affirm that can that affirmation can help you continue through your own personal breakthroughs that you're going through in the moment, you know? There's no question about it. I mean, we, we all need support. And, and you know, and use that word vulnerability. It's getting good play now. I mean, it, it, about 30 <laughs> years ago, there weren't too many, too many, uh, you know, heavy, heavy, um, I don't know, you know, business people or athletes, uh, men or women who would feel like vulnerability was actually something they wanted to cultivate sure. for good, you know, for like beneficial purposes for themselves, for their own growth and for the growth of their teams. Right. You know, they work with in business, but vulnerability is, it's a jam right now. I think people are, are getting it and on our, uh, you know, despite past programming stuff, they're more open to it. Yeah, I, I definitely, I love it because now more than ever, the the face of masculinity is changing, right? I've seen more vulnerable fathers who are, you know, crying in front of their, their kids and are teaching their, their males or females how to be secure with the emotions that they have. And that is you know, all the way to the top with business leaders who are allowing through servant leadership, which is, I think, the most impactful uh, type of leadership. They're, you know, serving the people below them in a way that will empower them to, you know, expand and, and break through and, and outperform, right? And or overperform. And I just think it's exciting. But as we always do, initial question to jump into this thing. Let's get rolling, Adam. How are you creating space right now for the best version of yourself in your life? Well, First of all, I, lo I love the name of the, of the podcast. I mean, awesome. Seriously, because Randy, who you met just before we got started, actually, she may be bringing me a green drink right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but uh, we teach about relationships. So one of the work, you know, part of the work that we do, you know, my story is that I, I grew up in Queens, New York. Just a quick, you know, little review of that. I grew up in a little apartment, shared a room the size of a closet with my brother it didn't have any language of uh, financial literacy language growing up. My dad was a civil servant, was a recreation director and a teacher, and my mom did odd jobs in, in the travel field and stuff. So I got into college. I met my wife. You know, we've known each other thirty plus years. We're married twenty seven years. We have we have you know four kids, which is incredible. So right. that gives us a little credibility. Like we got a little cred on the side of 
sustainable relationship. Sure. Because while it's it's not been easy and no no important relationship, I don't think not your your relationship with your your uh, you know intimate relationship, relationship in business with partnerships, relationship with your teammates, re- relationship with your kids, relationship with God, spirit, whatever you you know. It, none of those things are easy necessarily, um, but they're really worthwhile. And so, over the course of that that time frame of me, you know, being uh, meeting her in college and then becoming a teacher, and I was a waiter. I pivoted from being a waiter to being a teacher to being in the publishing space, and then ultimately went back to school, became a lawyer, and did that for eighteen years before I realized I I I'd hit that wall in my life, you know, where you could have a midlife crisis, and I had a midlife calling instead. Wow which was really just to awaken, to become more self-aware that I wasn't happy and I wasn't fulfilled and no amount of money was going to change that. It just really didn't. I had, you know, plenty of success financially from those, those things I was doing, you know, and all that while when I wanted to change and I wanted to, uh, you know, shift to be a, ha- just to be a, a happier person. I don't know how else to put it. Just a more fulfilled, sure. happier version of myself. Right. Like angry lawyer, which is what I was, kind of walking around most of the day uh, being, um, when I came home and I told my wife, I said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I, wow. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, that's pretty whack, right? Because we have two, two houses and cars and kids and turtles, sure. goldfish. I have a lot of responsibility. And, and we, you know, in that moment, what Randy did is what we describe holding, we call it holding space. Now, we've held space for each other throughout our relationship without knowing that's what it was or calling it that. But now we get to teach together. We teach on the subject of creating great relationships, ultimate sustainable relationships. Wow. And one of the pillars, there's like seven pillars to that thing. One of them is, is holding space. Right. And she, she calls it holding space and I call it building up, you know? Love but, it. So it's so cool that that's, that's the name of this podcast. And I mean, so your question to me is where, you know, where do I hold space? Is that what you want to know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, listen, you're already crushing it. You've you've pivoted multiple times and you've got a great relationship where you both hold each other accountable for holding space for each other. So you have that in your in your macro life, in your own personal life. What do you do every single day that allows you to be a better version of yourself? Yeah. So to me, holding space for yourself is what you might call prayer. You don't have to call it prayer. I call it prayer. Sure. So to just be grateful. I'm at the end, if we can, I want to at the end, give your folks, um, a ritual, a practice, like a master habit, what I call a ritual to, to hold space for yourself, to hold space, um, for your best, the best version of you. And, and you can call that intentions. You don't have to call it prayer, setting an intention, you know, putting your intention towards something. Sure. Uh, and I do that every day. And to me, the most important time of the day of any time of the day is the waking time. That, like, if you're going to hold space, start right out of the gate. Why, why wait, right? Why right. Wait, wait to your, you know, to your pissed off? Like, so me, I'd get up in the morning. I, we were living in New Jersey. My, men, my office was in Manhattan, you know, my law practice. I'd get my cups of coffee in, get in the car. I'm out, out the door. It's like dark out. And I'm, I'm waiting in line at the GW Bridge or the Holland Tunnel or the Lincoln Tunnel. And I'm already getting flipped off. You know, some guy's <laughs> flipping the bird. I'm flipping it back. You know, like that's not the best version of me. No so way. It wouldn't have made sense for me to set intentions or 
you know, uh, meditate on, on the best place that I could, you know, like that wouldn't have made sense to me at 10 o'clock or at noon or at lunch or at the end of the day. I, I needed to get like get leverage over my mind and, and really engage my heart right out of the gate. Sure. And that was a part of my own my own reinvention. My own pivoting was to learn that. I love that. And, and in order for you to start to, you talked about the reinvention from the awareness for you to understand that now I'm not happy and this is something that's got to change. You know, what was really hard for me, Adam, was accepting that that life was ending and then having the courage, man, because God, does it take so much courage? And I can't even imagine the pressure you must have felt as being the, the lawyer and pro- providing in a way. And having to come to your partner, to Randy, and look at her in the face and say, I can't, like, I can't do this anymore. And how long had that been festering inside of you, Adam, for you to finally hit your tipping point to say, okay, I got to, I got to speak about this, you know? Well, you've read the book and, and there's an audible version of the book, which is cool too, because I, I got to read it, which was pretty trippy, you know, four days of reading into a microphone to make this seven hours. Oh, that's crazy. Aud- audio of the book, but. So I've listened to it, and that's a surreal kind of experience. But I've listened to it just to, just to feel it, just to stay, to stay connected to what it was like. And uh, and I describe it as every day I kind of get up in the morning when it was dark, when I was just practicing law, and and putting my feet on the floor and feeling anxious, you know, ang- anxiety and even uh, angst, like angry energy to begin the day. I put my hands on my, on my, my knees. I'm sitting at the, at the foot of the bed. Right. And I go, she's like, shit, I can't can believe I'm going to get up and do this shit again. Right. Right. And cause it's the same thing over and over and over again. Right. And I'm going to get home. Maybe if I'm lucky, I get home with commuter traffic and time to kiss the kids, you know, before they go to sleep and read them a bedtime story. And more often than not, I'd miss that opportunity, right? Right. I, would set, I was doing that again and again, over and over, until I remember coming home uh, late one night, missing the kids, going to sleep. It was raining out. I walk in. I'm soaking wet. I got this old, you know, like my, my, uh, my what do you call it, wool coat on. And uh, I walk in. I see my wife. And she's standing there. And I walked right up to her. And I, I just said to her, baby, if I keep doing what I'm doing, you're going to be a widow. Wow. And, and in that moment, that was me being, being vulnerable. Like you said, I'm, I'm the support, you know, the main source of support financially for the family. I want to be strong. I want to, I want to do the right thing. But I'm, I'm just like in, in I'm like self-loathing. You yeah. Know? I, I got, I got get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and stuff and I can't go back to sleep or I need to take Ambien to go to sleep. And this is what's going on in the world. I mean, you know, sleep aids and Ambien, all these things that help people get to sleep. And then they take another pill to help them wake up. Ugh. It's like, because there's this, this, uh, you know, people are feeling this quiet desperation to keep it to themselves. That's why what you said earlier about just being honest and even vulnerable sure. like for you, for you to be having a career, something that you love, something that, that was uh, energizing to you, something that was made, taking advantage, you know, making the most out of your physical gifts and even probably your mental, emotional, spiritual gifts as well sure. to be a, an excellent player on the field. It's coming to an end. You know, what's, what's that going to look like? What's it going to be? I had run my course. I was done being a lawyer. Everything from that point was sort of that diminishing return. Right. You know, and, and I looked at her and I said, this is just, so she said to me, 
you know, because I'm like at a low point, it's like an inflection point, pivot point, right? Yep, yep. And we've all been there, right? So she looks at me, we'll, she's, we'll figure it out. That, that was the way she held space, was not to say, hey, are you kidding me? <laughs> you, know, you know what our bills are? Like, what do you, what do you want us to do? Like, not, listen, you know, go take a long walk. Go, let's go on vacation. Let's just, you know, somehow push this thing aside. The elephant, get it out of the room, right? No, we just dealt with it. Now, we didn't deal with that elephant all at once because you can't. So it was just right. like, take a bite. Yeah. Like, take, that, take that one bite out of that thing. And that's that's how that's how that process started for us. Listen, how blessed you are to have a partner that can hold that space for you, but be the opposite side. I have a feeling, man, we're two high vibe, high energy guys. I like to describe myself as a as an air balloon, right, and liable to take off. And I definitely need someone who's going to reach up and grab that string and keep me grounded and pull me back down. So it sounds like she played the excellent supporting role in that position. Tell me, Adam, did you have any idea, any Scooby-Doo as to what was coming next? Did you, did you have any, anything coming down the pipeline or was it a full pivot where you just jumped and said, I'll figure it out. I got some time. Yeah. I'm so glad you asked this because to me, the book is, is special in that we don't teach, we're not teaching and my process isn't about jumping ship or, or burning the bridges, burning the ships, that kind of pushing all your chips in the center. You know, it's great for, for drama. It is drama and it's sure. perfect for, the, for TV and movies and stuff, but that's just not real life. And I've seen a lot of people that have crashed and burned pretty hard right. when they think, when they allowed themselves, they're just their passion and their, even just their enthusiasm, their excitement to kind of get, get too far ahead. So to me, this is about how do you create a plan B? Like, so I'll, I'll use an example of that we, uh, we own a home on, uh, on the Cape, you know, off the you know, Massachusetts Cape. And we go there in the summers, have for many years, and there's a little waterway that has a bridge over it. And we noticed that they were building a second bridge right alongside the existing bridge. We were, you know, so asking what was the story. I guess the Army Corps of Engineers said that bridge is pretty old and it's not going to last a hurricane like another big storm. It could go down. Sure. They started to build a second bridge right next to it. And I thought, oh, man, that's a perfect analogy for pivot, you know, that. You, you build a second bridge while you still maintain the first one, right? Right. They didn't tear down the first bridge, and then people were stranded on both sides. They kept the first bridge and then built a second bridge right alongside it. And then when that bridge was done, they tore down the first one, right? Sure, sure. And then it got better than that because a year or two later, we noticed they started to build a, another bridge. We're like, what? <laughs> You've got to be stingy, <laughs> right? What is this, right? They, they built a third bridge, which was the permanent bridge. The one they built next to the old one was a temporary bridge. Right. And I think that's even more apt for what pivoting is about. Because when you start to work through a process of discovering what you truly want to do, like you didn't stop playing soccer professionally and go, hey, I want to do what you're doing now. Right. Right. You just took a baby step. You just started to move in a new direction. You just started to create some space inside your head. You talk about creating space, yeah. right? You created space inside of your own head to be aware, to observe what, what might be the inspiration for the next chapter or next phase of your life, right? That's what, exactly. Isn't that what you did? Exactly. Exactly. You know, it was, a, it was even before that I had a, a knee injury, which allowed me to see my own mortality in a sense. I struggled with mental illness. I even became suicidal at a time, Adam. I was really in a, in a funky spot, you know, and 
it allowed me, it was that dark night of the soul, right? Where you got to really start to begin to search down underneath and figure out who you are as a, as a human being, much less a man, right? And at that point, I started to see how much I didn't like being that pro athlete anymore and spending my time beating my body up, traveling, being in airports, sitting in the hotels, waiting on the game days, playing a game, getting back into the hotel, being in confined areas all the time. It was great and it served its purpose. But after seven years, Adam, it was okay. There's more to life than this and I'm ready for it. But I, but was I ready? I wasn't really sure. So the first pivot was into coaching. The next pivot was to start the podcast. And then as the podcast kind of grew its own legs, then the, 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 the most recent pivot is, okay, now let's get into this thing and let's really start to see how it grows. Now, a piece of that podcast, or sorry, a piece of that book that I think is so beautiful is your concept of be, do, have, where you talk about if you want to be this certain type of person, then you must do and take the actions of the people who are modeling that type of lifestyle. And in time, if you stay persistent and are resilient, which is another word that you use so commonly and so powerfully, then you will become and have the life that they have or the life that you intend on having. Can we riff for a bit on that topic? Because it, I think it's so phenomenal. I think more people should be talking about it more often, Adam. Yeah. Well, we're trained, right? Well, from the time we're really little, we're, we're trained that if you do certain things in life, you know, like let's say you get, get good grades in school, you're going to get a good job. And you get a good job, you earn a lot of money, and you earn a lot of money, you have a lot of nice things. And right. at some point along the way, you're going to be respected and people are going to, you know, and, and yeah. you'll have all, right? I mean, that's <laughs> kind of like the plan from the start. Right. And we're trained to think that way. And that's the issue. The issue is that we're trained to do things in order to have things so that someday we'll be something. It's like a worthiness equation gone, gone, you know, I don't know. It's run amok. Yes. And it's, and it's backwards. See, the part that you start with is not the part you end with. Um, or I should say the part you end with in this case is the part you start with. So right. you, you start with the B, right? If we were training, if we were working with our kids early on, and, and look, there's no, now is the time. It's not a matter of regret about the past. It's just a, an observation that I think it would be great as parents or in any way where we influence young people to have them focusing on being the person they want to be, being, being the influence in the world they want to be, sure. being the the transformational leader that they can be first, that that's the focus. Because when you're being what, what it is that you're, you're feeling called to be in the world, right. you're naturally drawn to do certain things. You're inspired to do things because it's coming from a place of, this is how I'm going to show up. This is how I'm going to serve. This is how I'm going to like light myself up. Right. Sure. I'm going to inspire every day because I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm focused on being that's, that's our only experience of life. It's the only thing we have is how we feel. It's, it is the beingness that, we, that we're living with, right? So the doing part is the, is the issue, right? And that's the, sort of the, the problem. When you, 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 you're focused on you first, you do certain things naturally, you're inspired to do them, and then you have things. You see, right. that's, that's the order of it. But that's not what we're taught. Sure. What ends up happening is that because we deplete ourselves with constant doing, so we're, we're running, you know, running places. In fact, I was, I was talking to somebody about this just the other day that it's like we're in a race in our lives, like a race. You, yeah. can't, you can't seem to 
run fast enough or get someplace quick enough. And ultimately, you know, we blink our eyes and that race is over. So it's, it's an issue because it, it ends up um, depleting us. It, it wears us down. And we run into obstacles all the time anyway. And so I, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that get despondent. They're depressed. Suicide rates are, are, are way, way up. They did studies that came out last April about this. And in particular among women, women wow. in their 40s. 50s, shockingly enough, you know, life is, life's challenging. Sure. So to me, develop habits and rituals to recover quickly is, is the key. And so it was a Harvard Business Review article that came out. It's pretty cool. In fact, I'll send you the link if you want to share this with your, you know, Absolutely. with the tribe. Um, and it said that, you know, the best athletes in the world have one thing in common. So whether it was tennis players, soccer players, basketball, any sport, golfers, they all had one thing when you looked at the top, top, you know, that top one-tenth of a percent that were winning the major tournaments and, and all that kind of thing, and they recovered quickly. In fact, they recovered more quickly than the others who were less, you know, less uh, skilled that, that were just weren't getting the gold medals. They sure, were getting the sure. silver, the bronze, or whatever. It was the recovery. The rate of recovery was faster among those folks. And so then they did something really cool, which was to say, okay, so that's the way it is with top athletes, like like in between the points, like imagine in a tennis match, just 30 seconds between points or in between the pitches, you know, between a baseball player's pitches, they measured, you know, their, their biorhythms. They, they took their samples of, of blood and they looked at what was going on in their bodies. And in between those points, their heart rates would go down almost to resting. So, so stress got, they were able to drop their stress levels. Dude, they managed to manage their stress levels like like wow. it was a chess game. Love like it. it was meticulous. Okay, so then they say, well, what about you know business leaders, you know entrepreneurs, that kind of thing. Like so, they're under stress, but they're not under stress for three hours at a time. They're not under stress for a season, and then they get a season off. Then they're on for a season. No, it's like a twenty four seven gig these days. If you own a business, or even if you're an employee, you're getting texted, you're getting emailed. You got stuff coming at you from all directions, sort of morning, noon, and night, right? Sure, sure. And, and that stress level is way high. And so they said, well, how is it that, you know, that people can perform better in business? And they said, well, it's the same exact thing. They've got to have recovery. Rich, they have to, have to establish actual recovery rituals to bounce back more quickly. And to me, that's the key. That's the key to creating greater success in any venture is to learn how it is that you create a recovery, you know, that you create a recovery system for yourself. Right. Now, do you think that each person should be creating something authentic to themselves or have you generated something that you want to push the tribe to? Or more importantly, what do you do every single day that prepares you, which is your plan for recovery in, in, in the event that, you know, you get hit in the jaw and it's time to recover? No kidding. And you're going to Yeah, listen, get, every single day you're going to get sucker punched, aren't you? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> There's just no two ways about it, right? It could come from your kids. It could come from any place. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the book, and you've read it, so there's a, there's a section that's devoted to this recovery, uh, to, to what we call resiliency, all right? And there's three parts to resiliency. And the first part is that you have to frame things in, in a way that empowers you. And this is, this is really getting control and getting leverage over your mind because that's, 
we're, we're dealing with our mind and the little voice in our head all the time. So the first thing is you frame a situation in a way that is creative, that, that expresses the essence of what's really happening. So my wife always reminds me, no matter what's going on, she'll say to me, especially when there's a challenge, she'll say, what's the creative opportunity? Right? So for you, you were, you, were, you were injured. You could see that maybe you weren't going to play professional soccer for the rest of your life. You could see that maybe it wasn't even the best influence on you long term. And you were already seeking out a creative you know, situation, solution to that situation, right? Sure, sure. We call that looking for the creative opportunity. And all it is is like putting something in a frame. And you could put it in a frame like this sucks. Like I can't believe that this dream is going to end this way. I can't believe I didn't get rich doing it. I can't believe, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> Which many of those things went right through my mind, Adam. <laughs> no kidding. Exactly. I thought I'd be able to retire, man. I'd be on an island someplace. Well, shit, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to own this team by now. What are you talking to me about? Where's my chain of restaurants? Where's my right? All of that. So you got to frame it. And you framed it in a way that led you to something new, right? right? And so many people, the way they frame situations is by asking really disempowering questions, making mm. disempowering statements, and then and asking disempowering questions like, you know, why am I, why am I fat? Instead of how can I be more healthy, sure. right? And the and the universe will deliver an answer that's that's really uh, you know commensurate with it, it lines up directly with the quality of that question. Ask a bad question, you're going to get. That kind of a response back. So yep. first part, three-part system um, process is you frame it. You frame it using that question, what is the creative opportunity? The second part is to mine for the wisdom. you got to mine for wisdom. you got to know that there's, there's nuggets in there. It's yeah. distinct, right? Little gems, what my grandmother called them. And so you look at the situation you were in and you say, what, what have I learned? What, what's the, what's the, the knowledge I can gain? What's the wisdom I can mine out of that situation, right? So you learned a lot being a professional athlete. You knew a lot about tenacity and perseverance, right? You knew how to muscle through things or, you know, how to, how to get up when, when, when you didn't feel like it, how to sure. overcome your moods, to yes. play a game when you were tired or when you just didn't feel like playing a game, right? That's right. All things. That's, that's collective wisdom that you can use in everything going forward, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll have to tell you, I, when I got out of, uh, of the career, I'm thinking, man, I, uh, I know all the things that I think that I know won't serve me any longer. You know, teaching someone how to clip a ball the right way over the back line is not going to help me in business as an entrepreneur. But as I dig my feet into this and as my roots get securely fashioned into the ground, I see those characteristics that come from being a high level athlete, that mindset of being able to eat shit sandwiches every single day and actually begin to convince yourself that you kind of enjoy the way that tastes and you're willing to continue continue eating them in order to get to your desired goal or to what you see in that frame that you talk about. So you're so right. And there's so much value in saying that is that the things that you learn along the way previous you may not know how the that intelligence will serve you until you get beyond the pivot and into the process. And that's where they all come to serve you. And that knowledge comes right back up to help you, right? Exactly. So you, you do what you did. You frame it in a, in a positive way. I, I, re, I refrain from calling it positive thinking because it's not really about that, even though it's an element of it. Sure. It's, 
looking at the creative opportunity, the possibility, right? The, the reason behind it, you know, everything happens for a reason, comma, and that reason is there to serve, to serve you, to serve others, to serve the, you know, the world in essence, right? Right, right. What, what's the wisdom? And then the third thing is that you actually have to establish routines, practices, and rituals to recover. So just a moment ago, our, our, our daughter, Chelsea, our oldest daughter, I thought Randy was going to bring it in, but she brought me one of these, right? Right. So this, this is a green drink. And, and so for the last year or so, I drink green drink almost, you know, by itself for the first few hours of the day because it supports, it supports my physical health. It, right. It's something that I'm doing for myself every day. So rituals for recovery could be you just taking a walk for 20 minutes. You know, it could be you um, getting a massage, going for reflexology. It's meditation. It's what you, it's what you drink. It's the process that you have when you wake up. Like I med- I, I pray when I wake up. I give thanks. I'm in gratitude when I wake up. It, it establishes, it, it strengthens my resiliency. Yes. I'm a stronger person as a result of it. So even if by 10 o'clock, some knucklehead sent me an email that pissed me <laughs> off, or I got on a phone call and, and, and got some bad news or some marketing campaign that we've, we've been working on didn't, didn't pan out, or whatever it is. You know, get a piece of mail and you go, oh man, I can't believe I got that bill. You know, those are the things that will drag us down. It's like a wave. We just get buried with that water. We can't get our heads above unless you've been trained, trained what it is like to be able to weather that storm, weather that that wave washing over you, and you pop up. You know, like I'm a surfer, so I, I know what happens. You get you get buried in, in a couple of thousand pounds of water, man. It can spook you. It can scare you. You can swallow water, and then right. you can drown, and sure. it's dangerous, right? Sure. Or you can learn that this is a part of the process. You get tossed around like you're in a washing machine for a few seconds or a minute, and then you pop back up, take a deep breath, and go, I'm still here. Not only am I still here, but I'm better, I'm smarter, I'm more resilient than I was 10 minutes ago. And that's the point. you got to take care of yourself. And, uh, and you know what, it can be anything, anything that you do just to create healthy rituals for yourself. I love that. We have just created this uh, guide. It's called the live still guide and it's helping people because we get a lot of questions here at creating space. How do I create space? How do I figure out what my sole purpose is? And so we've created this guide, this live still guide, which is a morning ritual, which components of gratitude, components of priming, right? Getting the brain ready, like the warm up to the to the competition, so to speak, for the athletes out there. But then we break it down into our still guide. It's a four quadrant p- piece. Okay, so still is S-T-H-L. It's the hierarchy of, of leading towards legacy, right? So self, tribe or your community, your hustle, which is your sustenance, and then your legacy, right? So Supporting yourself and asking questions like, what do I want to start, stop, and continue today and and moving through those quadrants. Now, where I am in my life and and what I ask of the Creating Space tribe, the people that um, engage with Live Still, is I ask them to become really mindful of where they're heavy, which quadrant they're heavy in, where their intention is, and where are they lacking balance? Which one are they light in? Right now, Adam, because I have to be, I'm, I'm heavy in hustle really heavy in hustle. And because my I'm putting all my focus and energy into hustle, my tribe is really strong. The Creating Space tribe is great. The people around me here in Charlotte are phenomenal. I've really started to pull in the right type of people. But at the same token, the love that I give to myself 
and maybe my focus on my legacy, although it's the macro vision is the big driver, the big component, what I, what I really want to leave is helping teach people create space for their best lives. But right there in that self, that self quadrant is where I need to spend a little more love, a little more time, kind of giving back to myself because I do as much as I can to give. Of those four quadrants, self, tribe, hustle, and legacy, where are you right now, Adam? Oh, that's beautiful. Um, that's a great question. So I hustle. I mean, I teach <laughs> <laughs> people how to side hustle because that's what I know. I grew up, I'm a kid from the streets of New York. And, yeah. and hustle, hustle's in my DNA, bro. So yeah. when you say that, you know, I go, damn, I'm a hustler. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. And, and at the same time, um, I learned, I learned a while ago how to love on myself. And, and that's, part of what my legacy is to help other people to love on themselves, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, I, you know, I guess I would say if I'm light in any area, it's, it's, it's in the tribe. It's still the idea, believe it or not, even with having, I've been, I've been around the world too many, like numerous, numerous times. Like I'll give you an example. I have a, a, a book that's really a, a spiritual guidebook for me. And it's an Emmett Fox book. It's a, it looks like it's an old book. It's not such an old book, but this book's been around the world. And I have my morning ritual that's on this piece of paper here that I use to guide my, my own morning spiritual practice. Um, I've traveled around the world more times than I can count and spoken to more people than I can remember. I mean, just, and yet still, it's, it's, in my, it's in my awareness that the number of people that, that, are, uh, that I want to impact with the message of self-love and of learning how to uh, reinvent, recreate things, regenerate. Like you said earlier, that, that dark night of the soul. I, sure. I woke up that one of those mornings and feeling pretty crummy about my life and looked in the mirror and saw that my hair had fallen out. I mean, not, it, had, <laughs> it didn't fall out in a day. You know, It took years. But man, I went from being like thick head of Joey Tribbiani kind of hair. <laughs> You know, where I'm going to say, how you doing? You know? yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, how you doing with a thin, with thin spots? And I'm going, what on earth is going? And I, I realized that my, my soul was kind of shriveling up on the inside. My heart was dying because I'm just trading. I'm just trading my, my energy and my, my, my the, the essence of myself for money. Right. You know? And that's all I was doing it for at a certain point. I was just like selling my soul in essence. And, um, and I think there's a lot of people out there who are living that way. And so when I, I say we're light on the tribe, because I want to I want to speak to billions of people, not me. I, I, it's not about me. It's the message of self-love and, and the ability to learn that you can change things in your life in a in an instant, man. It's an yeah. inflection point, right? It's a yep. it's just a point where it, it, there's a pivotal moment. Right. And more people. I want more people to get that. Right. So and that's why this podcast and. And others are just a way to, for us to, um, you know, expand beyond ourselves, to leverage ourselves, to, in, you know, reach beyond our own tribe. Absolutely. It, it's so important for us to get people like yourself on the show who make their living and their sustenance around the service and the servant leadership to others. And um, this podcast wouldn't be here, like I said at the top of the show, it would not be here if it wasn't for you. I don't, I'm not so sure I would have taken the jump because I started to kind of talk about the things that I was feeling 
on Snapchat, on Instagram, just going on rants. Then I started to get this affirmation back from my tribe. People were like, hey, man, damn, you're actually not bad at this. And, and I loved it so much. I felt in flow, Adam, when I was talking and I've things came out of me. And I remember thinking, where the hell are these things coming from? And I just knew at that moment, right? However, it leads me to this point. If I didn't really love this thing with all of my heart, if I didn't really care, the trolls that come that want to knock you off your feet and in the all of the uh, negativity that can come your way, the adversity that'll hit you in the face, just like we talked about um, earlier, it will really knock you off course. And some people never survive. And I will say, as I have seen some of my friends come up and talk about wanting to get into a podcast or talk about wanting to do and jump into getting into the lives that they want to lead, sometimes as I walk down this dark path of figuring it out and going in my own journey with it, I'm seeing corpses of other people's dreams laying beside me, Adam. Why do you think when people face adversity, they run? What is that about the characteristics of, of someone else that when things get a little hard, they quit. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting point. Um, it's fear. I don't need to search for the answer. I, sure. know, I know what the answer is. Um, it's always fear. And, and the fear is, is an interesting thing because it's part of what we do. You know, we, we've, got, we've got programs that we've developed for people to help to transcend, transcend their own fears. But your fear will always be with you. It's not about getting rid of the fear. I want, you know, this is what I'm called to say because of what you just said. It's not about getting rid of the fear. It, it's about being able to put fear in its proper place. Because right. it has a place. It, its place is just not in the driver's seat. Right? It's mm. not in the drive. It's not, it doesn't belong in the driver's seat. It doesn't even belong in the passenger seat holding the map. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Old school days. It doesn't belong programming the GPS. Okay? Right, right. It belongs in the back seat because sure. it has a voice. It'll keep you from walking out into traffic and getting run over. It has a, a specific purpose. But so people quit when they get scared. And more often than not, they quit on their dreams before they even begin because of fear. So to me, it's not whether you will pivot in your life and fail. I mean, you never stop pivoting, especially when you learn the process, when you learn the art of being able to do it elegantly, do it yeah. art skillfully you will be pivoting the way all your way up the mountain the whole rest of your life that's the beauty of it right absolutely just a, you're just upskilling how you look at life and how you utilize change right which is a the, the constant man disruption and change is a constant in the universe it's it's the it's not whether you pivot and fail it's whether you don't pivot it's the people who don't pivot and regret it that's that's the devastating one. And that's the one that breaks my heart. That's the crucial blow that you see the regret in their eyes. You can see it. You can feel it. You Walking around the city sometimes, I can see people in jobs and their, it looks like their soul is rotting. Like, yeah. Like walking corpses, you know, like the zombies. Yeah. There's just no life in their eyes. I mean, and, and that you can go into lots of different cities to see that going on. But, man, it is, uh, it is it's a devastating blow. To the mm. psyche, when when you don't feel like this, this, your life is worth loving, right? You just don't see what you really truly love about living. Yeah, so good, Adam. As we, uh, I know I want to be mindful for your time. You're a busy guy. As we round this thing out, a couple of questions I want to throw at you. First question is, 
you talk about pivoting, the art of pivoting skillfully and elegantly. What you got coming down the pipeline? Like, what are you pivoting, to, pivoting towards and what are you kind of excited about coming in your next 90 days or so? Oh, well, this is way cool. So for the most part, for the last eight years, I've done live trainings. You know, I get people in a room and then I mess with them. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, no, I, to me, to get my hands on folks, I mean, not, not necessarily physically, although we right. do a lot of high-fiving and hugging and stuff, but to be in that space with people has been a love of mine, a major passion. And yet what I realize is to meet people where they are, which is what business must do, right? We either pivot and evolve or we, or we die. Because, right. you, you know, you got to meet people where they are. And where people are at is that they don't necessarily want to be in a room for three days at the beginning. It's too, you know, especially when, they, when they're just at the early stages of a process of changing something, right? So we're meeting those people online. So, you know, one of the great things is that we've developed an online curriculum. In fact, I want to give your folks a gift, which is that they can start to explore that pivot ground in, in a couple of ways. They can get, obviously... You know, pivot the art and science of reinventing your career in life and go on Amazon and all that. That's pretty simple. But you can also go to something called startmypivot.com or you can go to adammarkel.com. And in either of those places, they can get free resources. So startmypivot.com, they'll get six questions that will help them jumpstart things. They go to adammarkel.com, they can get that. Plus, they can also get access to blogs and podcasts and just start to listen to our, our podcast, which is called The Conscious Pivot. So just a, a show about a, what your awareness is when you're in the process of change, whether you like know that change is coming because and you want to plan for it the way you were doing when you had an injury and you knew sometime down the future you're going to need to make a change or when change comes out of nowhere where you lose your job or your business goes south or your partnership explodes or you know, your marriage goes, you know, goes sideways or you get a health, you know, kind of thing happen. I mean, those things can really catch you off guard. And whether it's pivoting by design or by default, you've got to have the right mindset and also have a, a toolkit, like some of the ones we've been talking about, sure. to navigate and elegantly traverse that new territory. So those, those are two places where people can get started now. And it's also where we're on our growth edge. Because as I said, our our comfort zone is in moving people into a, a space where we can train live and that kind of thing. Right. And, uh, and now what we're doing, in addition to doing that, is that we're meeting people when they're on their, you know, they're on their smartphone, wherever they are. You know, it could be sure. in the bathroom. It could be in the <laughs> I mean, we know where we use these devices, right? It's like, or right. they sit in front of their laptop. And that's where they want to consume content. And so we want to help people to do that, to just meet them there and start to you know get that process of new awareness happening. So startmypivot.com. We'll definitely throw that in the show notes as well as adammarkel.com. And we will put the link up for the, the Pivot book, which is obviously a book near and dear to my heart. That Amazon link will be in the show notes as well, guys. Adam, it has been an absolute pleasure rifting with you. And you know what I love? You know what I really love is that I, I, I'm, I don't operate very well under structure. I need to be able to rift. I need expansive space to move and to be free and to make decisions on the fly. And I love that you can meet me in that space and we can go on a, a powerful path and just uh, really get some value-driven content for the Creating Space Tribe. Last question I'll ask you before I let you go on and crush, continue to crush your day, Adam. What's your legacy? What do you want to be your What do you want your eulogy to be? That's a good question. You know, brother, I, I don't know that I'm going to answer that one. Yeah. 
All right. Seriously, because my legacy is evolving. You know, I haven't decided what that end thing is going to be. I know it's important to, you know, what I know is in that, in that mix is that I help people to, to learn how to follow their heart. You know, I, that's the greatest advice that I feel like I can ever give and model to our kids and in the world. It's just, what does it look like to follow your heart and have the courage to do that in leadership and business and relationships? And that's, that's who I choose to show up when I'm being at my best. So. Adam, uh, I have to say, man, I'm grateful for you for making that decision. I'm grateful for you continuing to be that person every single day, sharpening the sword for yourself and then your tribe into your hustle and then onto your legacy. It is an honor, an absolute honor to have been able to brought you onto a podcast that would not have been generated had it not been from your mindset that you put into your book. So, um, I appreciate it. I, I want to send you the best of vibes to you, to Randy, to your family, to go on and proceed uh, with no caution. Continue to crush life, man. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Love you, brother. Thank you so much for having me. What an incredible full circle moment to be able to sit down with Adam Markell and really get deep into his mindset and understand just what it is about his nature that allows him to be the human being he is and to lead the way he does. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Um, for those of you who have been shooting us the email, shooting us the DMs, the time has now come. We have created a eight-tip playbook for you guys. If you are interested in building your brand on Instagram specifically and you really want to change the way you approach Instagram when it comes to your strategy for growth, if you really want to accelerate the speed that your Instagram profile is building and you have a desire to build your influence, we have taken eight simple tips and we've really gone deep into those tips for this Instagram strategy for your growth. And we have put that for free on our website. So you can find that at creatingspacemovement.com slash eight tips, the number eight so you can find that online, creatingspacemovement.com forward slash eight tips. If you are serious about taking your strategy for Instagram to the next level to be able to grow your influence, grow your brand for whatever the purposes you may um, desire. So with that being said, hop over to creatingspacemovement.com forward slash eight tips. Jump on that PDF. It's really simple and there are topics in there that you can implement right away. So without any further ado, guys, love every single one of you. I'll see you on Monday for Mindset Monday.